Welcome to the Commercial Matters Podcast. Your show host is Amit Kapoor, owner of Mindful Contract Solutions. Nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal advice. Hi folks, this is Amit Kapoor. I'm a commercial consultant to complex transformation programs. Welcome back. This is episode number five and we are still on our theme of IQ disputes. Before I kick off this week's episode, I thought it would be useful just to kind of set out what our journey has been like on this theme of IT disputes. And reflecting back, it feels like we've come a long way. We started talking about what IT disputes are, what makes them so specific and unique. We then looked at what do parties typically say in an IT dispute. We call these things version of events. Then we looked at what are the tactical considerations involved in deciding when to crystallize a dispute. We also looked at how you recover damages and what kind of damages are indeed recoverable in an IT dispute. Today, we're going to look at how do you get help when you are in an unfortunate position of being in a dispute. In our experience, there are three types of dispute resolution professionals. We're going to look at specific characteristics of each of those types and once we have done that, we're going to look at what are practical points that you can take away from our discussion. On that note, let's make a start. The three types of dispute resolution professionals you're likely to come across are one, commercial or contracts managers and consultants, pretty much like me. The second are solicitors, uh, more commonly called as lawyers. And finally, barristers. It's very common for people to refer both solicitors and barristers jointly as lawyers. And for reasons you will understand as we go through the podcast episode, we will keep them separate because from our perspective, they do separate things and they have separate roles and separate times in which they get involved in a dispute. For that reason, we will treat both of those roles separately for the purposes of this episode. Let's start by first looking at what kind of value would a commercial consultant or a contracts manager add to a dispute and when should you look to engage one. So firstly, a contracts manager is someone who works client side. So effectively, they are a part of your team. They are either an in-house resource, as in a fully salaried employee of your organization, or they could be a consultant like me who are kind of drawn in to deal with a specific matter that has arisen. In terms of a qualification, it can be very varied. I mean, many contracts manager would have had different roles in the past, which may or may not be aligned to management of IT programs, say, for example. Occasionally, there will be professionals who have committed themselves to the procurement profession ever since they graduated, finished their education, and they would have typically given exams for the Chartered Institute of Purchasing and Supply. This is the formal body for procurement professionals. It involves up to two years of education, so it's a substantial investment in the skills. And because these people work by side, they tend to get heavily involved in conversations around business considerations of disputes. So you could say that they have a strong commercial sense. They understand what they are business stakeholders want in a dispute and often the outcomes that the business is seeking is not really a legal outcome. 
because as we have previously explained in podcast 3 that quite often you're trying to resurrect a dispute rather than get into a full-blown adversarial conflict with the other side. Now what is quite often overlooked but it's quite important so it's important to get your head around it is contracts work typically falls under two kinds of buckets. It's either contentious work or non-contentious work. So to give you an example, non-contentious work is a kind of work you would do to, for example, run a procurement or agree a contract with a supplier. You're not kind of in a dispute with a supplier, you're just trying to give effect to a piece of work, a contract, right? So this is non-contentious work. And the other work is contentious work where they are involved in tricky situations such as disputes or a transition from one supplier to the other or an exit from a supplier. Now, each of those incidents can be contentious because both the supplier and the buyers are very likely to have different objectives through that period. So often a, a contracts manager who is extremely good on non-contentious work may not necessarily be up to the mark in terms of contentious work. So when you are sifting and screening for a contracts matter, that is something to be aware of. Right, so that's all I had to say about a contracts manager or a commercial consultant. The other dispute resolution professional is a solicitor. To become a solicitor in this country takes a big investment of time and money. You spend anything between three to five years in training yourself to become a lawyer. Plus, you also have to undertake training contracts with legal firms. So what this means is it's quite easy to decide to become a lawyer or a solicitor early on in your career. It's quite difficult for a mid-career professional who's a non-lawyer to transition themselves into becoming a solicitor. There are routes available. There is a graduate diploma in law scheme which is a one year to 18 month course that you can use to convert your non-law degree to a law degree and then eventually get on the same track as a solicitor but it's quite commercially unattractive for someone who might be earning let's say something over 50,000 pounds or so in their previous profession because transitioning into becoming a lawyer is going to set you back. So what this means in practical terms is most lawyers are career lawyers. They've always been lawyers from the time they graduated. It's quite uncommon to come across someone who's shifted from another profession into becoming a solicitor. Now I hadn't realized I was the one telling you that we're going to treat barristers and solicitors separately and I'm referring to the solicitors as lawyers. Please excuse that. Now, because solicitors are often career lawyers or career legal professionals, a lot of what they believe is commercial sense arises from what they see their clients doing in disputes. But the thing is, they often get involved in a situation which is tricky. They will often not be present when a lot of issues are, say for example, resolved by negotiation between the parties and are never brought in front of the lawyers. So the point I'm trying to get across is it's quite dangerous to rely on a solicitor's advice to be used for commercial reasons. A solicitor is great to identify what legal issues might be involved in your claim. They might be 
great sounding boards for a specific action that you want to take to the other side. But if you are relying on conversing with a solicitor to take every commercial action on a program, I would suggest you tread with caution. For the reasons I explained. Now we touched upon the fact that solicitors are different to barristers. So we're going to just reflect on that for a little bit. Now in terms of a legal claim, when things are going through the formal process of a claim with the court and eventually gets on to a trial at the court, the role of a solicitor is predominantly to manage the case. So case management and that means everything leading up to hearings is the job of the solicitor. So any correspondence with the other side, any uh, submissions to the court are all done via solicitors. But when the trial approaches and a, the case has to be argued in front of a judge, solicitors would usually appoint a barrister to fight their client's case. Because barristers are courtroom advocates. They understand what are the persuasive arguments that could swing the decision your way. So if an analogy is needed, then you could think of a solicitor as your GP and you could think of a barrister as your specialist. So it's the GP who decides when the specialist should be engaged. But the point is that the first point of contact you would have is a solicitor. And that's quite regular, normal. That's uh, That's been the way of doing things for a very long time. However, it's not very uncommon, especially in commercial cases, where you are going to be doing something, defining something that changes gear from a collaborative relationship to an adversarial one by issuing a certain document to the other side, which could be a claim or it could be an invoice for unpaid fees or anything like that, then it's quite typical for solicitors to seek counsel's opinion, barristers also call it counsel, before that kind of a decision is taken. Because a high stakes decision will require your solicitor to have the confidence that the approach they are suggesting you take is the one that a court would also find favorable. So that's all I want to say about a solicitor and I realize that I've already made a segue into barristers. So we're just going to say a few things about barristers. So I think I've already told you that they're great courtroom advocates. They are great in deciding what arguments to prioritize, which are likely to persuade a judge and how to basically defend your case on the feet. You know, when you have judicial interventions and judicial questions, how best to respond to that is something that barristers can very ably accomplish. And that's all I want to say about a barrister. Now the thing to remember is, when these professionals get inducted into your team to kind of fight the case or, you know, and defend the case or resurrect the situation as the case may be, really depends upon where you are in the dispute. If, for example, you're in very early stages where you suspect there might be action from the other side or you suspect there will be a cause of action that you will be required to act upon and you really don't want to get there, you want to try and avoid it or you want to resurrect the situation well beforehand, you might be better off with a commercial and contracts consultant because they understand the commercial sense of your organization plus also they have sufficient legal awareness as long as they are you know suitably qualified for the job and by not appointing a solicitor that early in, in the relationship 
means that the other side does not up the ante. I mean, usually what happens is if you put a solicitor on your side, the other side is almost compelled to appoint a solicitor to respond. And then issues can quite easily escalate. But a contracts manager, on the other hand, is pretty much seen like part of a team. It's um, a role that most programs would have. A good contracts manager will also be able to do a high level of on-record correspondence which means how do you write to the other side in a way that is non-legalistic but does not muddy the waters or does not damage your legal position. That is something that a good contracts manager can do well. The problem with trying to get a solicitor to do that is solicitors are trained in legal drafting and as, as I explained, because they have been career lawyers, sometimes they can't distinguish between when a correspondence becomes you know, somewhat unacceptable from a business sense. Just by way of example, I had a solicitor working with me recently who wrote to the other side something on the lines of whatever's been done to date has done nothing to resolve the issue. I later learned from the other side that they found that sentence very offensive and a contract manager probably writing the same thing would have written something like whatever's happened to date hasn't really produced the outcomes we would have liked, for example. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a small spin of words, but I hope you understand that both of them try to make the same point, one in a more business acceptable form and the other more legally correct form. Right, folks, that's it in terms of the theory. We're now going to look at three specific actions that you can take away and apply to your digital transformation programs. Takeaway number one, is that you have to be clear upfront whether you need a commercial manager or a contracts manager for a contentious matter or a non-contentious matter because the selection criteria for either of those two types of contracts manager is very different. Specifically, if you're looking for a contentious commercial consultant, and by that I mean a commercial consultant who specializes in contentious work. As part of screening and sifting them, you really got to test them as to how they respond to certain situations in a program. And these situations could be, you know, identical to the situations that you are facing or it could be a well thought through scenario. The thing that you should look out for is at what point in their response do they swing over from trying to be collaborative to adversarial. Also watch out for what stage do they decide to consult other professionals because with the best of will a contracts manager is very unlikely to be up to date in terms of legal knowledge. They would know first principles but they're very unlikely to be up to date with case law for example. I mean new cases that redefine law to some extent. So anything like that uh, should trigger that your contracts manager should call for help and are they saying those things when they're responding to your questions in an interview is the kind of thing you look out for. So that was takeaway number one in that you've got to be decisive whether you're looking for a contracts manager for contentious work or non-contentious. Takeaway number two this is something we have spoken about through this episode. Be selective and judicious about when to approach a solicitor and a barrister for help. Approaching them for commercial advice is not really advisable. 
In fact, many legal retainers, I mean, this is the kind of contract that a lawyer would sign with their client, which is you or your organization, tend to exclude any commercial consequences. And in a similar vein, do try and guard against the tendency of approaching lawyers when the real issue is not about the advice you need, it's about the will and the conviction to take the actions which seem necessary. Quite often when you're flipping over from a collaborative mode to an adversarial mode, there's a lot of resistance. And we somehow think that approaching consultants and approaching lawyers and legal professionals is somehow going to bolster that confidence. That's a very expensive way of building confidence for one. So, so try and guard against that. And that actually very neatly segues us into takeaway number three, which is always keep your costs in check when you are kind of dealing with legal professionals. It's not very uncommon to end up spending tens of thousands of pounds even before uh, some kind of litigation is contemplated. And that is simply a very expensive way of engaging lawyers. So there's something I've mentioned previously. One of the things we've done at Mindful is get our own kind of licensed access to the bar. Effectively, what that means is if I as a commercial consultant sense some kind of a problem that needs kind of a proper lawyer to look at it, then I could jump the queue and not approach a solicitor. Instead, directly appoint someone relevant from the barristers community to advise on a problem. And because barristers are courtroom advocates and specialists, that advice is usually considered worth a lot more that you would get from a solicitor. It's just another thing to help uh, a client save costs. Also, when approaching barristers or solicitors for advice, there are certain kind of formatting techniques and uh, logistical considerations that can considerably reduce costs. For example, the way you structure your uh, reading material for the barrister or your solicitor, the kind of documents you prepare. I mean, one very important document that you can prepare is a chronology, but quite often that is something that is nudged from the barrister to the client, not really produced upfront directly. So these are the kind of things a good commercial consultant will know beforehand so that you are well prepared before you're reaching out to expensive legal professionals. Right then. So that's all I had for you this week. I hope this has been informative. I know this has been slightly longer than our usual uh, episode length. Apologies for that. And with this episode, we are bringing our theme of IT disputes to a close. If you have liked what you've heard, or if you have any questions that come out of what you've heard, then I'd be really grateful to hear from you. You can drop me an email. Our email address is info at mindfulcontract.co.uk. And if we have a number of questions that need addressing on another podcast, then we're happy to kind of focus our next podcast episode on that. Otherwise, we'll move into another theme from next week. And our next theme is going to be focused on client-side teams and their importance in digital transformation programs. More on that next week. For this week, I just want to say goodbye. Thanks for staying tuned in and hope to see you again soon. That's this week's episode of the Commercial Matters Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. 